they say something that they genuinely believe. They can't work out why everybody's looking aghast at them. Mm. And it's because they don't really understand the games that have been played and how all the decisions have been made before they've even walked into the room. Coming up on Tech Talks today, we're talking to Aid McCormack, the founder of the Digital Readiness Institute. My name's David Savage. You're listening to Tech Talks. This is your twice weekly technology podcast, talking to tech leaders and also just for people who are interested in finding out more about the industry. Hope you enjoy the show. Joining me on today's show, welcome back to Tech Talks, regular co host Jack Pierce. Hello, David. I'm joining you from the cupboard under my stairs. Oh, a la Harry Potter style, is a it? A la Harry Potter style, yeah. I've stuck foam all over the walls, the ceiling, the doors. Uh, I've got a boom rig mic set up. Uh, I'll send you some photos. It, uh, it's a very strange working environment. I'll be straightforward. I'm in one of those like funky chairs that has like soundproofing built in. I think you know, you know, like in the Harvey Nash office, we used to have those big round oh. chairs. I'm in like a uh, in like a rectangular one of them, looking out Looks of like, Victoria Station. Nice. Looks like yeah. something that uh, you'd find in a Bond film in the in the in the villain's lair. Yeah, very much so. Very much. So. Or maybe like. Maybe like the apprentice of the villain. No, you know, it's not quite as royal and regal as a huge throne, mm. but it's certainly, you know, it's certainly scary enough, I guess, if you look at it. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I've done to my broom cupboard? Well, not my broom cupboard, my cupboard under the stairs. Yeah. Yeah. I've digitized it. You've t- you you have taken away the legacy systems <laughs> of your broom cupboard and you've exactly. thrusted it into the 21st century. Got to got the boxes and the wine. Yeah. Uh, and now we have a lovely microphone, computer set up uh and so my, my my cupboard has gone from you know a legacy cupboard to something that's ready for, for the digital world hey um, i wonder why you say that dave <laughs> so today's guest is a the founder of the digital readiness institute um so we will dive into this interview and afterwards myself and jack will have some thought on it before we go to a quick news story to finish off your podcast and usher you into the weekend so on today's show we're talking to aid aid mccormack how are you I'm well, thank you. Thanks for coming in and talking to us on Tech Talks. You're welcome. Uh, you're the founder of the Digital Readiness Institute. I had the pleasure of uh, talking to you on the back of you being a speaker at the CIO Water Cooler. Probably, I think it might even be getting on for a year ago, that particular event. But uh, you're someone who's been involved in the CIO community for a very long time. That's right. Um, I currently coach CIOs. I wrote for CIO Magazine for quite mm-hmm. a while judge on the CIO 100, and written a few books around digital and IT leadership. Do you still judge on the CIO 100? or No. Right. Because I, I guess, and this will lead very neatly into the opening conversation, if you were still to do that, obviously you're still coaching CIOs, the criteria by which you judge a CIO, I'd imagine, would have changed wildly over time as the role has had to change to the market forces around it. Uh, Very true. Um, I mean, there's always the need to run the business and the good old fashioned uh, managing of infrastructure and applications. But more and more of that is being sucked into the cloud. So IT departments are diminishing in size by the second. However, there's a lot of legacy, unintegrated, multiple versions of the same system sprinkled around particularly large organisations. So IT departments aren't going to disappear overnight, but that's the trend. And you've written an article um, that you, I think it's published on your own website, so abelcormick.com, but the CIO playbook for the digital age. 
And I yes. suppose that's very much in response to that challenge of, well, if everything's going to the cloud and the role is changing, how does that individual that has been so central to this first part of digital transformation stay relevant moving forward? Well, I think uh, the role of IT manager still needs to exist, but that's not the appropriate role uh, for somebody who is a CXO or who aspires to be a CXO. So in the playbook, I'm really trying to highlight how do you become a partner to the business and a co-creator of the business strategy as opposed to being a victim of it. And that requires a, a different approach. Uh, it, it requires educating the boardroom because digital leadership, if you like, isn't a role, it's a competency. So there's an opportunity for CIOs to coach uh, the boardroom. But of course, again, you've got to get that level of trust and strategic relevance in place. Uh, but once you've done that, then you can uh, do the more mundane aspects of the business in terms of system integration, because one of the key drivers of value in digital age organizations is uh, how they uh, utilize and refine the data, so mm. to speak. Organizations are awash with data and they talk about the concept of data lakes, but what many big organizations actually have are, are digital or data cesspits. Mm. And essentially, no matter how fancy your business intelligence tools are, they are going to be throwing up multicolored lies. Um, so we need to get our data act together as an organization if we're going to be able to understand what's going on in the wider world. Because if you don't get that right, you're, 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 um, you're flying blind in the fog of war, so mm. to speak. And the CIO, you know, in the title, I is for information. Information is a derivative of data. So it's fundamental to the CIO's role, not simply to just manage the data in terms of which servers they sit on, but to turn that data into insight. And then that insight gets shared amongst people using collaboration technologies to become knowledge mm -hmm. and eventually wisdom and eventually better business decisions and eventually better services to the market. Now in the article, um you ask a CIO to consider where they are on the spectrum between being that IT business leader and being the CIO, or the IT manager rather yes. as a CIO. Um, and you've got seven questions here for someone to ask themselves to determine, well, hang on a minute, who, who am I? And I think the thing is quite interesting. You know, the first one you mentioned, are you the first point of contact when a senior executive has a technology-related problem? Sounds to me very much like, well, that person would err more towards, towards the IT manager. It's not so yes. strategic. So how, how many CIOs do you think are out there who actually on reflection would find themselves going, well, I'm not that CXO and I'm still mm. on that journey? Well, there's a couple of things there. One is that many CIOs are not there yet, but actually a large subset of those CIOs don't want to be there. They've right. grown up, let's say, uh, from childhood, so to speak, as technologists who have just simply found themselves in charge of lots of people. Uh, that's just the way it's kind of panned out. Mm. And so their, their worldview, if you like, is from the technology inwards, from the IT department inwards, and often lack a kind of, why are we doing this big picture business strategy, organizational strategy perspective. That's not a, that's, that is a failing if you want to be a business executive, but it is quite natural when you have evolved in that sort of capacity. 
And as you get closer to the, the summit, so to speak, you realize that skills like um, uh, political awareness in terms of how things get done mm -hmm. uh, is quite different to the nice cold logic of IT and so on and the task-driven based projects. You know, CIOs do get invited into the boardroom. Um, they say something that they genuinely believe. They can't work out why everybody's looking aghast at them. Mm. And it's because they don't really understand the games that have been played and how all the decisions have been made before they've even walked into the room. But because the CIO hasn't gone round and, um, if you like, lobbied and, and formed those relationships, in you know slower time um they're just they're cold it's as if they're in a parallel universe to everyone else sitting there now i'm generalizing of course and there are cios that do sit in the boardroom and very often these cios go on to become chief operating officers um, one of the big challenges for organizations today is that data in particular is 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 the rocket fuel for their organization mm. Nobody at the board level really understands it. They know their CIO is the person responsible for this, but they don't have a strong enough relationship with that CIO to have those kind of conversations. So what you then start to see are CIOs being bounced along from company to company every 18 months or so, mm -hmm. because it just hasn't really worked. Um, and so we'll try another CIO. Um, and essentially that's in part the fault of the business leadership, they, need, they have a responsibility of themselves to understand the challenges of IT management and data management and so on. But by the same token, if the CIO really wants to lead the digital charge, they need to up their game in terms of um, their capabilities and skills. Now, earlier you talked about co-creating strategy. Suppose it would be tempting to imagine that co-creation was going on with the CEO. The CEO had an idea of, or the board had an idea of where the organisation was going. But is, it, is, it, is that not the case? Is it actually increasingly with the way that technology is used in many organisations, is so product driven that it's maybe sales and marketing and other, those kind of players at the peer level that, that actually are the co-collaborators? The people that have the conversations with the CEO and get headspace and airtime with the CEO are the people that can show a direct relationship to uh, profit, to assets. The CIO has never really been able to do that because they've always been serving those people that can have those conversations with the CEO. I think if CIOs start to talk about data as an asset and how it can be sweated and how it can be uh, converted into value for the market, they'll get the CEO's attention. But in terms of technologies, um, you know, technologies can change a business, they can change a market. So imagine the typical conversation is the CIO goes in and says, hey, there's this thing called, let's say, blockchain. Mm -hmm. uh, the CEO might turn around and say, that seems like a toy, we're not interested. Then a number of other big players start to use blockchain. So blockchain becomes a kind of threat yes. to the business. And then eventually, all the players in the market are using blockchain. And now your organization is out of the game. So you might say the technologies go from toys to threats to table stakes. And the CIO is going to be the first person to see these on the horizon. And if the CEO ignores them because they just don't actually trust what the CIO says, or they see the CIO more as the person that just keeps the network running and mm. keeps the, the viruses under control, um, 
you know, it's a missed opportunity. Now, you talk here, again, in the article about the fact that it's worthwhile to reflect upon how you are perceived. Yes. And there's a line here that I, I, I that caught my attention that it would be great to just see exactly what you mean by this. Um, a way of looking at this is to ask yourself, where do you sit on the CEO's risk register? Yes. Yes. Do you just want to go into a bit more detail around it? Because I think this is quite an interesting point. I mean, there's different ways of running your organisation, um, but running it from a, a risk management perspective is one way of doing that. Um, and essentially, are you, as a CIO, a an asset to the organisation or a liability? Mm. Now, if you're managing a significant percentage of the company's uh, budget, yet the CEO doesn't feel that he or she is in control of it because they don't know what you're talking about and they're just having to sign off on checks when you say random things about what we've got to spend, then you are essentially a, a risk because they don't quite know, they've got no way of governing uh, you and your department. So that makes them feel quite exposed. When I, when, when I, sorry, when I uh, engage with CFOs, for example, mm. they either say, I love my CIO, but I don't really know what he or she does, or I'm really nervous about my CIO right. because I don't know what he or she does. That's interesting. Um, earlier on, you mentioned the word integration. I had heard someone put it to me earlier that the future, sorry, say earlier, I think it was a, maybe a week or so ago, but the future of the CIO is as a chief integration officer. Do you agree with that? or? Um, I mean, I think that's one aspect. Uh, despite the fact that we are entering the digital age and digital is a kind of sexy term, or, or potentially it was sexy term, um, there is the job of integration to be done. All of these disparate systems that are not working together in harmony, that are replicated unnecessarily because of acquisitions and so on, um, if they're not brought together, again, your, your data um, is not telling the truth, so mm. to speak. You need to have a kind of a coherent enterprise data model. So integration is very, very important. But to be called the chief integration officer, uh, that's not strategically, you know, that's a detail of the job of the CIO. Mm. It's, not, uh, it's not CIO or CXO worthy, I would say, but, but it is a part. Now, when you're coaching, I would imagine that people are looking for stuff that they can take away, that, that there are actions. What do you find is the most frequent thing that you're having to advise CIOs in the current market on to think about? Um, it's, to make, it's to help them understand um, what they're going to be judged by mm. often is they're staring at them in the chairman's account uh, report in the annual accounts. Yeah. Now, not, not every company is a public company, but... You need to kind of understand what the leadership cares about and then play to those careabouts, in effect. And that might actually distill down to a set of buzzwords. And regardless, you need to operate. They don't really care about anything else because they're being judged on those buzzwords or on those KPIs, so to speak. So, so step one really is alignment. Um, other things are to help the organization to help the leadership understand that digital digitalization is not transforming your business for the digital age. Mm. You know, sprinkling blockchain, AI, and IoT across your organization doesn't cut it. A faster, smarter Titanic is still a Titanic. 
So helping the CIO help the leadership understand that there's a much more profound job to be done here is, is, is critical. Now, the last question that I'd like to touch on, because I think this is an interesting point. As we live in a hyper-connected world with smart devices, um, you described organisations as, as almost living organisms yes. that are plugged into the world around them constantly. Is that something that the CIO community as a whole have accepted or even if they're aware of, have really adapted and built into the way in which they, they do their job? I think CIOs are very, very cognizant of IoT and mm. sensing technologies and analytics technologies and so on. But that, that's one thing, but there's a, there's a difference to then it changing your behaviour, I suppose, and how you, you do your job. Yeah, I suppose the conceptual model of thinking of your organisation as less uh, an arthritic factory mm. and more a living, sensing organism that adapts in real time... Um, I don't think many have, have, have the, if you like, cognitive uh, bandwidth availability to reflect on yeah. that. So it, it, I see it as my mission to get that word out there because mm -hmm. the sooner you can uh, adapt your organisation to be more of a sensing organism that's made up of lots and lots of uh, well-developed programmed brains over millions of years, i.e. all the people, and you harness all of those people, you put them at the centre of the organisation and you augment them with new technologies, then you're starting to build super resilience into the organisation. And that's what you need for an unknowable future. So we mentioned at the beginning of the interview, your website is aidmccormick.com. That's it. Uh, anything else that people should maybe have a look at or be aware of? Well, I have an online uh, digital leadership uh, program, mm -hmm. uh, education program, if you go to dri.guide, there's a free course on there, so that will give you a flavour for it. Um, I think that would be worth taking a look at. No, look, I, I, I really do appreciate you coming in and talking to us, because a lot of the time on the show we focus on the founder story, on the growth story, but there's lots of enterprise organisations out there, and we spend so many hours on this show telling people it's all about continuous learning. That doesn't stop, of course, if you're at the top of the organisation. Absolutely. So, the no. skills that got you to where you are are not the skills that are going to take you to the next stage. Absolutely. Look, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for coming in and talking to us. Thank you, David. So, um, I love a lot of what Aid said.